Hello and welcome to the Success Unscrambled podcast. This is Alburn. Today we'll be looking at how to skyrocket your success with amazing blog niche ideas. You have been thinking of starting a blog for a few years, but you have so many blog ideas or blog niche ideas in your head. Maybe you want to become a food critic because you love food, but hate cooking. <laughs> Probably you're thinking about going into a niche about sound engineering, but you think that it's going to be too boring. It is very possible that you just want to become a mom blogger and blog about your journey as a mother of five kids. Whatever you have been thinking, it just may work, but it is important to do a bit of research and planning before you jump in. The truth is, we are all afraid of failure. So the best approach would be to minimize the risk as much as possible. In this particular podcast, I will give you a number of blog niche ideas and resources that you can use to increase your chances of success. So let's jump right in. So what on earth is a blog niche? So just in case you're brand new to this whole idea of blogging and you are confused about the word niche or niche, as some people say, let me explain. A blog niche is basically a topic of focus for your blog. These topics can be very broad, like food. So food is a niche. Many food bloggers would tend to specialize in a specific area of food like raw food or vegan or the keto diet, for example. The reason for narrowing a niche like food into a sub-niche like raw food is because it is a lot easier to create products or offers around a sub-niche. Of course, celebrity TV chefs can get away with writing recipe books on broader topics because they already made their name for themselves. On the other hand, their cookbooks can be about 30-minute meals or three-ingredient recipes or quick pasta dishes. So let's go into how, how you go about finding a profitable niche. So if at this point you're still unsure about your niche, that is perfectly okay and quite normal. One of the best ways of finding your niche is to understand more about who you are and what you are passionate about. This blog project may be the first blog for you, so it will be a huge learning curve that will require a lot of motivation. It is possible to start a blog where you are not passionate about a topic. That's normal. Anybody can do that and still generate income in that niche. I did it in the past myself. However, what I discovered as time went on is that I lost interest, especially when my family was undergoing a lot of stress, like a member of my family sick or someone died or anything like that. I just totally lose interest in it if I'm not passionate about it. It's important for you to write a list of things that you are an expert in or that you have a passion about and then move on to the next stage. What you do when you write that list is you grade them on a scale of one to 10 in terms of your how passionate are you. So if you look at the, the passion, passion-o-meter, <laughs> 
10 is that you're very passionate about it. Five is that you're sort of halfway in between. So grade the list, those list of items that you're expert in or that you're passionate about on a scale of one to 10. Um, that way you'll actually get to know, you know, a much clearer idea of what you can write about for a very long time in spite of the trials and tribulations that goes on around you. So what problem are you trying to solve? Any entrepreneur will tell you that one of the best ways to create revenue is to solve problems. Think of all of the jobs in the world and try to find just one that does not solve a problem. Just one, anyone, you think of it. If you said entertainment, then that is not exactly true because people love to use entertainment to ease their boredom or to relieve stress or whatever it is that they're doing. So it is still problem solving in the in their sort of entertainment niche. And just in case you didn't know, the entertainment industry is huge, huge, huge business. You can certainly write a blog to entertain your audience if you want. You need to find out what problems you can solve with your list of talents and passions and expertise that you wrote down from the last section of this particular podcast. Remember this one thing. People buy for only two reasons, just two. People say, oh, people, why do people buy books? Or why do people buy suitcases? Or why do people buy clothes? Or why do people buy boots? Or why do people buy handbags or makeup? Or why do people pay for spas? Or trust me, there are only two reasons people buy, two. One is to move away from pain and the other one is to move towards pleasure. This actually reminds me of a scene that I saw in the movie called The Greatest Showman. I don't know if you've been able to see that as yet. But the, in that particular show, P.T. Barnum was with his, uh, his two little girls and was celebrating somebody's birthday. This P.T. Barnum was obviously Hugh Jackman. And there was a point in the show before he came, became successful, just after he lost a job, his job, when he had this, what I call a light bulb moment. Do you remember that scene? If you don't, I've left a video clip in the show notes. You can actually go and have a look at that, um, that movie. The light bulb went off for me too. When he, when he did it, oh my goodness, I, I just like, wow. It's, uh, it's just mind-blowing. Okay, so find out from yourself. Ask yourself this question. Does your passion help in any of these areas to move away from pain or to move towards pleasure? A good way to explain moving toward pleasure is, is there a need, sorry, is there a need to be, a be a, is there do the person, does the people have a need to be a better version of themselves, of who they are today? So people, for example, when you think of Tony Robbins, people pay him a lot of money to just talk, be a motivational speaker. Okay, maybe he says he's not a motivational speaker, but technically he is. And the only reason why people do it is because he has a way of helping them to think outside of the box and, and, and you know, get a, a much better result from the way they think. It all starts in the mind and people pay for that. It's, it's invisible. It's not tangible, but the results do happen. He coaches a lot of major 
sports players, whether it be basketball, football, soccer, um, golf, you name it. And all it starts with is switching the way they think inside of their head. So the next bit up is, is your niche popular enough? Before finally deciding on a niche, you need to establish if there is a market for what you want to offer. Maybe you want to sell ice to the Eskimos, which is fine. Just because they have a lot of snow does not mean they don't have a need for ice. A big fear a lot of people have when it comes to um, launching their particular product is they believe that the market is saturated. In other words, if someone already has a knife, it means that they don't need another one. Think about it. One huge example is when it comes to women's shoes, handbags, makeup, you name it. Just because they already own another pair of boots does not mean that they will not buy another one. The same rule applies to everything else when it comes to the consumer. Think about the stuff you have at home, for example, curtains, lamps, sofas, frying pans. You can easily buy another one, right? <laughs> the best way to validate your idea is by doing some research or some keyword research on the areas of interest. If you are a regular listener to my podcast, you know I've already covered keyword research in previous episodes. But this time, let's look at keyword research in terms of finding out if there is an audience big enough who would be interested in your solution. Our first stop is Google News because we want to see what is popular right now and then we want to dig a little bit deeper. So go to the Google, type in trending in 2020, whatever year you're in. Uh, it could be 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023, 2024, 2025. You just type in what year you're in. So trending in and the year. And then what you want to do is look at the results. So my top four results when I did that, I've, I got news about haircut and color trends, e-commerce technology, whole food trends, and big food trends. So I'm going to dive a little deeper once I have those results. And I'm going to dive a deep, little deeper on whole foods. Probably because I'm a vegetarian, I'm more interested in whole, whole foods. I'm just going to dive a little deeper. And what I picked up on, on that article that was in Google News, uh, there were a lot of um, sub-niches or areas of interest or trending areas. But here are, here are the, the seven that I, that I encountered. Shelf-stable shelf probiotics, fat fats, so that's P-H-A-T-F-A-T-S, next-level hemp, like CBD oil, faux meat snacks, like people want to get snacks that isn't really meat, um, like beef jerky, but it isn't really beef, so they use people use mushrooms uh, to make those kind of snacks. So vegan snacks that, behave and taste like meat, but they're not really meat, basically. I know that's a bit weird, but ah, the things people are interested in. But anyway, eco-conscious packaging, trailblazing frozen treats. So things like mochi, Taiwanese snow ice, Turkish ice cream. Um, and then number seven is marine munchies. 
beyond seaweed. So seaweed butter, kelp noodles, and plant-based tuna. Again, another one of those things. You want something that tastes and looks like tuna, but not necessarily tuna, but it's plant-based. These are things that's trending this year. I can actually see this happening all around me. I have seen and heard so many people talk about CBD oil and CBD and this stuff and the other. My daughter is into a lot of healthy snacks. She likes um, seaweed chips. So, and she likes eating seaweed with cucumber. So goodbye potato chips and all the corn snacks and popcorn and all of that. She is into the seaweed. She's hooked on seaweed, seaweed snacks. And just over the Christmas holidays, we also made uh, mochi ice cream. So if you never know, if you've never heard the term mochi before, mochi is a Japanese treat. Uh, she's into Japanese everything. Um, so we made that. We all run out. So the next time she comes, he, she she we have a time. We can actually gonna make more mochi, <clears throat> so she can have mochi ice cream. So. Out with the regular, you know, ice cream and treats that you buy, you know, homemade all the way. So we buy the nori sheets and she tears it up and puts it with the cucumber and eats it. You know, it's just, it's just a different way. I can see it all happening around me. So these trends are, you know, spot on. Up next, we have to dig a little deeper using Google Trends. You can write, by the way, an entire blog about food trends in the news if that's your interest. And I'm sure you make a, a lot of money because people are always interested in food. People have to eat food three times a day, hence the reason why they're always interested. They eat one meal and they're already thinking of when I'm going to have the next meal, what I'd like to eat, etc., etc. It's just people just think about food 24 hours a day if they got a chance to. We can run a comparison Google Trends comparing CBD oil with, for example, a keto diet. So first, before we run that comparison, what we do, we put in CBD oil, look at the results, and you can see, I know you're listening to our podcast, but do it when you get a chance. You can see the trend for CBD oil just exponentially rising, almost like a hockey stick effect, but not quite. And then we're going to put that into Google Trends, CBD oil, and a comparison with keto diet, and you'll see them side by side. And actually keto diet, like I said, people eat three times a day, hence the reason why you just keep thinking and talking and searching things about food. I was actually expecting CBD oil to be more popular, but hey, <laughs> that's just my way of thinking. I didn't think people search for keto diets so frequently. Okay, so after we've done that and we've compared, so for you it might be a totally different topic or niche or whatever it is, you go down to the keyboard tool. Spend some time using a keyboard tool because you want to ensure that there are thousands of searches around your broad topic. So Google Trends just shows shows us the trend. It doesn't show us how many people are actually searching for that particular topic. The trend could be high, but if there are not a lot of searches, then it's not worth your time. So my favorite keyword research tool of choice is KeySearch. I've left a link in the I've left a link in the show notes. I find it very reliable, flexible and low cost. Um, your market needs to be big enough in order for you to make a living from it. So if you take a look at the keyword research, for example, keto diet, we'll see that it's actually trending, not trending, but the, 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 um, the amount of people searching for it 
over the last two months has been exponentially more than the amount of people who searched for it over the last 12 months, which is means it's going up, which is a surprise because I, I thought I heard so much about it in the last 12 months that it's probably dying off and there's a new diet on the way, but maybe not. So, so far, after putting keto diet in the, in the search tool, we found that we got 3.3 million searches every month for keto diet. That is just crazy, crazy, crazy. And I think that is just US alone. That is not outside of the US. Um, now we compare that with CBD oil. CBD oil, obviously, is on the rise. Actually, the, the term that we were searching for is not CBD oil. What they're actually searching for is best CBD oil for pain. That's one of the examples. And once you put that in, you'll notice that there are significantly over 3,000 searches a month. And then there's CBD oil for anxiety, which is another search. So people are not searching for the generic term CBD oil. They're searching for the term using the word that's associated with the pain that they're experiencing. So CBD oil for pain, CBD oil for anxiety, whatever that's, they're trying to move away from that pain and they're actually putting it in the search results, which is means that if they find a solution, they whip out the credit card and they buy it straight away. All right. And that's, I think you've got over 26,000 searches a month for the one for anxiety. So the more specific the problem, the more, yeah, the more specific that the person um, explains the problem is the higher the amount of searches in that particular, what I would call a sub niche. So next up, what we're going to do is look at the prop the popularity of that term in the, the search engines. I mean, in the in Amazon. So if you think of the best place to buy something like um, books on keto diet or the books on CBD oil or books on any kind of product that you can easily buy, it would be, or even the actual CBD oil for anxiety in that they can buy a bottle of it, it will be in Amazon, because it's the most popular shopping search engine ever. So we're looking at, what we're going to look at is actually the reviews. Yes, we're going to find a product and we're going to look at the reviews. So what I did, I typed in, um, first I used the, what we call the brainstorm niche ideas tool. I've left the link in, this, in the show notes. I put in CBD oil and it gave me specifically the search pages that people are using when they're searching for it in Amazon. And then I take that those search phrases and I plop them into Amazon and straight away I get the results. And what I'm looking for something is it's ideally, well, if it's, if it's fairly new, CBD oil is fairly new, like in a, it's probably only 12 months old. Um, what I'm specifically looking for is the most popular product with at least a thousand reviews. Um, I didn't find one with a thousand reviews. I did find one with over 400 reviews. And now you have to remember the 400 reviews doesn't necessarily represent how many sales that product had. It probably had way more sales because people tend, I, I've never left a review on Amazon guilty at all ever. So I buy from Amazon frequently over the last 10 years and I've never left a review. So it goes to show you that the majority of people don't leave reviews on Amazon. So with over 400 um, reviews, it means that it probably sold over four, 
between four and ten thousand of the of those um, items. All right. So type in CBD oil for anxiety in Amazon, and then what pops up is something called organic hemp oil extract for pain and stress relief, and it retails for thirty four ninety nine. And the size of the bottle is 300 uh, milligrams. Okay. So I click on the, the, it has over 400 reviews, like I said. And what I'm looking for is, I'm going to see the reviews. So this CBD oil is actually in a broader category called health and wellness. And the subcategory then for this is actually pain and stress relief. So you're not going to write a blog post, I mean, you're not going to create a blog about CBD oil. You're going to create a blog a blog about, if you're going to go down this route, about health and wellness. So you name some kind of a healthy name, like healthy living or wellness for life, or, you know, you can't put a name for yourself. And then um, you can have subcategories and you decide, okay, my blog is going to be about... Um, Probably sleep, stress relief, pain relief. You know, you have all these sort of subcategories or categories within the overall umbrella of your of your blog. So it's always a good idea to spend time looking at the actual reviews themselves. And when I looked at the reviews, I skimmed through them and I saw stuff like um, people suffering from insomnia, addiction to tablets, anxiety, relief from arthritis, relief from migraines, and many, many others. Um, and it just sounds like it's the one product to rule them all. <laughs> if you are familiar with Lord of the Rings, you know what that means. It's sort of the one ring to rule them all. This is the one product to rule them all because it just covers so many different ailments. I really hope that that sort of makes sense for you. Because you're going through these reviews, you're seeing what people like, what they didn't like, how much they use, you know, what kind of results they receive. And you can decide, like it depends on your profession. Like if you're a health professional, this might be the ideal niche for you. If you're not a health professional, but you are interested in it, you can take it on a non-medical slant of, you know, actually interviewing these people, these kind of people who used to be the oil and going through their stories and, you know, that kind of thing. So you can, there's so many different ways you can take this kind of information that you now are aware of and develop your blog about that, about health and wellness in that area. So what are the top popular blog niches? Um, this, re- this particular podcast would not be complete if I don't give you a list at a really high level uh, of the top niches for bloggers. Um, it will help you, you know, as a place, a starting point. So you'll know, okay, these are the blog niches in a broad umbrella sense. And it will give you an idea. So, you know, what's out there and what you can dive into. I, I did a podcast in the past about the most profitable blog niches, but this is not about the profitable, the most profitable ones. These, these are about all of those that are profitable. Uh, not necessarily the fast growing, but just the ones that are, are profitable. So on here I have uh, 12 niches. And here we go. So we've got uh, marketing and business, parenting, lifestyle, 
personal finance, health and wellness, food, travel, beauty and fashion, DIY, survival, technology, and relationships. So that's 12 broad, broad, really broad niches. So what you need to decide is, of those 12, which one are you most comfortable talking about, writing about, building relationships in, etc. So, so as you can see, these niches are uh, super broad. So it's advisable to spend time finding your, what you call sub niche within the broad niche. After you find your sub niche, it would be, it would make sense to choose your unique angle on the topic so that you can relate to your audience. Another way of doing a blog niche research is by uh, spending time um, finding up-and-coming niches that are not yet crowded. CBD was one of them probably this time, 12 months ago. Um, it's becoming more and more popular. There are kiosks everywhere, you know, all of that. And there are many more because I've found tons. Many of them are just outside of my interests or niche. And I'd love to sit down one day and do a class um, with, of people who are looking to find up-and-coming um, on what we call uh, low competition, high value niches, where you can actually generate an income and not have too much competition just yet. So you're like the, the, the for, forerunner, the leader in this, these particular markets. This, but this method of finding untapped niches is better suited to an experienced blogger who is looking for low competition products and services for their blog. So when I say low competition, it means that it's, it's up and coming. Nobody knows about it yet, but there's a, there's, the demand is there. Demand is, you know, bubbling up in the, in sort of, on a sort of a level that it's happening. Um, I wrote extensively on this and even had a podcast, a podcast, should I say, about contact niches. So go check uh, in the show notes. I've left a link, uh, there. So you can go and have a look at, listen to that particular podcast. I even have an ebook actually. I just thought about it. I have an ebook um, that takes you through step by step how to find untapped niche markets or low competition uh, markets. It is a great way to become what we call a market leader or build authority in your particular niche where your audience will hear from you first what's happening in the niche. If you're brand new to the world of blogging, I'd love to suggest that you check out my 11 keys that you need to know as a new blogger or even before you start a blog. Um, blogging is a long-term game and it does require a certain kind of mindset before you get started. So now that you have been through this process of finding a blog niche, using these blog niche ideas, you should have a clearer idea of your niche. Okay, it's going to take a few days or possibly a few weeks for you to settle in on your specific niche of choice and your angle and how you're going to approach and your go-to market strategy and all of that. What actually helped me choose my niche is deciding on the medium of delivery. So I want to talk about digital marketing. How am I going to deliver this message to my audience? If I want to write, obviously it's going to be a blog. If I'm going to do video, it's going to be a vlog. Or it could be just Facebook lives. How am I going to deliver this message? 
And if it is you don't like writing, I actually hated writing 10 years ago. I don't know how I love it so much now. Absolutely hated writing, hated writing. And then I think it's something to do with a mental block as opposed to my ability to write. Um, but anyway, now I'm an absolute writer. I do love video, but what I don't like about video is having to get dressed up every time and put on the makeup. Because if I don't put on makeup, you don't see my facial expressions really well. So I have to put on makeup and get dressed up and sit in front of the camera. I can probably shoot three or four episodes in one go, but then I'll be wearing the same outfit. But then I can change outfits. Oh, never mind. This is a podcast. Let's stop, let's stop getting into details and let's stop getting carried away. Anyway, so if it is you are interested in doing video, it's great. Video creation is an amazing awesome, amazing avenue to uh, communicate with your audience. But do remember, you don't have to be a writer to deliver your message. As a creative, you get to choose which mode of communication is best for you personally. And then you can just run with it. Writing, video, vlogging, Facebook lives, social media, question and answers, a radio show. You decide what that delivery method is. So over to you. What has been your experience when it comes to finding a blog niche? Have you ever failed at starting a blog? Leave your thoughts in the show notes in the comments. So do remember to subscribe to the Success Unscrambled podcast where you will be the first to hear what's happening in the entrepreneurial and traditional marketing world. Your positive review of this particular podcast is vital to keeping it alive and running for the next 12 to 24 months. So please, please, please leave a positive review for us on iTunes, Spotify, and any of your favorite podcast players. If you're stuck when it comes to blog growth, then take a look at the 11 ways to increase your blog traffic that I've outlined. If you're thinking of starting a blog, you can check out the blogging for beginners tips that I've left there, a link in the show notes, that will help you reduce your blogging errors. If you want to take advantage of some free traffic from um, for your blog from Pinterest, do check out the Pinterest tips, link in the show notes, and grab the 20 tools that successful bloggers use on their blog. If you're a startup or small business and you need to hire a virtual assistant to complete tasks such as social media marketing, blogging, keyword research, and Pinterest account management, then take a look at the packages. I've left the link in the show notes for you to take a look and see which one would suit your needs. All right, that's it for today. Until next time, enjoy the rest of your day and the rest of your week. Bye for now.